Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Kairos Partnerships. I'm JR Briggs, and I'm here with my host, Doug Moister. Hey, Doug. Hey, JR. Good morning. Good to good, see you, man. Good morning. It's good to see you as well. So we've uh, we've had a few different uh, sections or segments on the program, and uh, we're introducing a new one here that we're really excited about called Quotes and Questions. You and I love quotes and we love questions, and a lot of it comes through reading or things that are passed along to us. And so we want to make sure that we get a chance to share some quotes and questions that are rolling around our minds and hearts. And so anyway, uh, we'll each share uh, one or two quotes and one or two questions in each segment, and then talk a little bit about it. So, Doug, uh, what's a, a quote or two that's kind of rolling around your head and your heart these days? Yeah. So the first one is this. It's by it's by Margaret Gunther, and uh, it's in her book, uh, "The Art or Holy Listening: The Art of Spiritual Direction." Uh, but in 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 the in the preface, which you know, it's a good book when the preface catches your attention. Uh, but it's when in doubt, I always assume that God is at work. Uh, it just, I felt like there is something so powerful for me in that and uh, share that with you. Mm, How yeah. about you, JR? What's what's a quote that's hit you recently? Well, you and I are Dallas Willard fans and we can never run out of Dallas Willard quotes, but there were two that have really struck me recently. And the first one, which I, I'm going to, I've shared in my, my seminary course right at the beginning of one of my classes uh, that I teach and it's in ministry. It is possible to become obsessed with doing what Jesus says that you fail to become the kind of person Jesus wants. Mm. Dallas Mm. is so good at those zingers, you know, in ministry, it is possible to become obsessed with doing what Jesus says that you fail to become the kind of person Jesus wants. So that's a, that's one. And then I, I just, I keep coming back to this because it's so simple. Another Dallas Willard zinger. And that's never believe anything bad about God. Never believe wow. anything bad about God. Mm. So simple and so beautiful. I just love it. Mm. Oh, all right. All right. So one more Willard quote. Uh, and yeah. this is one that I've been sitting with for quite some time. And it's that uh, it's in his book, Renovation of the Heart, but it's feelings make terrible masters and good servants. And yeah, so I think there's great. something really important about that for me as well, where it's, uh, I need to pay attention to them, but I can't let them be my master. Mm, and so, yeah. yeah. So Jared, what's a question? You are the question, man. It, Jay, I love how a few weeks ago we were on a, we were on, um, we were on a meeting, a Zoom meeting together, and you just popped some fantastic questions. I was like, that's my question, man. It's like, you have a wingman? I have a question, man. So I'm grateful for your questions, brother. So what are the questions oh, well, that you're sitting I, with? I can't not think in questions, even if I tried. I can't turn it off. So um, <laughs> yeah, I heard this recently. This is not my, my one of the reasons I love questions are not just ones I generate, but also I collect from others. And this is from someone else. I don't know who it is, but I need to make sure people understand. I didn't, it didn't come from me. It's an accountability question. It's a feedback question that I'm slowly having the courage to ask other people and that I just sit across the table from, or the proverbial table in a pandemic, you know, maybe it's on a zoom call, but mm. to be able to just look them in the eyes and say, I need you to honestly answer this question for me. What is it like to be on the other mm. side of me? Mm. And I feel like that's a really good feedback question of how we can be affirmed and what's what, where there's good and also to uh, receive feedback on where there needs improvement and growth and further sanctification in our maturity as a leader, as a human, as a husband, as a dad, uh, as a pastor, uh, fill in the blank. But what is it like for me to be, what is it like for you to be on the other side of me? 
So, mm. yeah. How about you, Doug? Any questions rolling around? Yeah, uh, more introspective in this season right now, but just the question of uh, what is God paying attention to in my life that I need to pay attention to? And so I, I, I just find myself continually coming to that place to say I can really quickly move away from from noticing what God is up to and to just guessing and just trying to find that space in that time where I'm actually aligning my heart with God to say, wow, God's really encouraging me in this way, or God's really challenging me in this way. And so, yeah, just more of an introspective question, but I've been sitting with that quite a bit in the mornings. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I know this episode, we're going back in the vault. Tell us a little bit about uh, what we have for, for uh, for this episode here. All the way back to season one, episode four, uh, we, JR and I had just an incredible interview with John Hand. And uh, John is a pastor up in Canada. And we, there's so much gold in this conversation. You'll hear some of the, some of the ways that he frames uh, life as a pastor, uh, the metaphors and images that he used continue to stand out. I mean, even as JR and I were recalling that today, we were just so quick to think about some of the things that he said. And so um, just a, w- you're going to get a chance to check out the interview. I encourage you to take out a notepad uh, unless you're driving, then don't do that. But I, we really think there's just a lot of gold for us, especially. Um, yeah, this just gets at the heart of what 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 it's like to be a pastor in real life uh, in this day and age. And then uh, secondly, we're not going to have the the normal outro. So we're sorry you guys don't get to hear our lovely voices banter at the end, but we're just so grateful and we're grateful that you all get a chance to check out this interview again. Hand is site lead pastor for a multi-site church in Southern Ontario, Canada called The Meeting House, one of the largest churches in the country. In the summer of 2015, John and his family moved from central Pennsylvania where he had been church planting for the previous eight years. John and his wife Amy live with their children. John serves as a coach and cares for the souls of pastors, and he's a great man of wisdom. He's a good communicator. He loves the church and he loves Jesus even more. Enjoy this conversation with our friend, John Hand. So John, it's great to have you here on the podcast. As you know, this is called the Monday Morning Podcast, and Doug and I are really excited to have a conversation with you. So tell us, what does a typical Monday look like for you? What is your inner world like on a Monday? Yeah, I would say typically, um, I, my my ministry is kind of, um, shifted a bit different in terms of the rhythms of ministry now. So my Monday is probably a Saturday uh, in this present world. In my past, um, I was in church planting. When I was at my healthiest, Monday was a day where I had to intentionally sit sit down. Like I had to to take off the mantle of pastor and set it down because I wore it, I wore it all week up into up through Sunday. And then on Monday, I consciously I had a prayer that I prayed and I have that prayer, the same prayer I'm praying on Saturdays. Now, Jesus, you've trusted me with this leadership mantle for, for six days. And today 
it's not mine, it's yours. Mm, wow. And so that that's like, and I, I literally picture, I still do it, take it off, put it down. So like I'm moving my hands off my shoulders and putting that mantle um, down on the ground and I'm trusting it to, to God. And that's easier said than done because um, oftentimes on Saturdays now or Mondays, then you go into a, a, your mind goes into a reflective zone where you're, you're now, it's like the replay, the highlight reel, Right, right. <laughs> you're replaying your whole week. And it's like, okay, well, I, I should have said that. Why did I say it that way yesterday morning at, when I was preaching, I should have, I shouldn't have said that this way. This illustration was sucky. I should have used this illustration. What's wrong with me? Oh, I flubbed my words there. And so, um, I also can kind of hit the highlight reel of, I was in this meeting and I met with this pastor this week cause I oversee pastors and, um, Oh, I was too controlling in this scenario. And mm. so you tend to get, I can tend to get wrapped up in all the things I was not enough of this week rather than delighting and sitting and receiving what God was doing in me this week. And how did he use me this week? And where did he show up this week? And where did I see his, his work and his grace manifest in my life and through my gifts that I can just take some joy in that? Where did I see his activity around me and things that I, I had no control over? It's just God doing God's thing with or without me. Thankfully, he includes us. But sometimes he just doesn't need us and he does things around me. And I want to pay attention to that too. So these days off or the Sabbath days tend to mentally, I tend to start with not enough. And then I have to transition. Part of the work is transitioning to no, 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 no. What was, what, where was God abundantly working through my gifts and abundantly working around me? Because pastoring is like farming, right? Like we plant, we water. Every once in a while, you see a little shoot come out of the ground. And then our, um, at least my instinct is to go pull it up to make sure it's growing. And now I have pulled up the roots, right? I want to go inspect. Is something happening? Is there, is, is I, I put in these, this energy and this effort, is something happening? And that Sabbath day, and that Monday is just trusting stuff, stuff's happening. I don't need to make it happen. I need to pay attention to what did happen instead of what didn't happen. Does that make sense? That's a ton of wisdom in yeah. like two minutes. That was amazing. Tell us a little bit more about that prayer. I love that prayer. Did you come up with that prayer? Did, did you hear that from someone else? I mean, even just the beautiful image of a mantle literally being taken off of your shoulders and placed on his. Uh, where, mm-hmm. How long have you been praying that prayer? I have been praying that prayer for. I had a um, I had a nervous breakdown in 2012, and um, took an emergency sabbatical from my church at the time, and um, just saw went to a place called Marble Retreat in Cal in uh, Colorado with my wife, and um, started meeting with a spiritual director after that and really started to attend and pay attention to what's going on in me and my own brokenness and the healing that I, I need the wholeness that I need. Um, and so 
it was out of, I think it was in that zone where I was just like a sponge. I was just reading a lot. I was really feasting on like Walter Brueggemann's ideas around Sabbath as resistance and on Eugene Peterson. And probably, you know, I don't want to claim this as original. I probably picked up some idea that they had and just made it mine. And then, um, forgot where I got it (laughs) as we do. Um, but I, I think the prayer, the prayer is mine. The prayer is some version of, um, you've given me six days. You've asked me to wear this. Um, today it feels heavy. I take it off and give it to you. Mm. You wear it so that I can breathe fully so that when I take it back on, it's not as heavy because it does get heavy by the sixth day. And so when it comes off, um, it, there is this inflation. There is this like, Oh, like if we're really paying attention, like we can kind of breathe and you set it down and no guilt. I think that's one of the things that keeps us. That is so true. Totally prying it off as we feel guilty that we've taken it off because, you know, the psalmist says, be still so that you can know that God is God. And um, man, that's hard for us to, to really know that God is God. It's really re- hard. Yeah. And again, I really appreciate the, <clears throat> the way your body actually responds to things like that, to practices like that. Uh, it just seems like that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm like frantically jotting in the notes thinking, I'm going to try this next time I have a Sabbath, which mine is on Friday. But yeah, question. You, you know, you mentioned that at your healthiest, this is what it looks like. What is what does this look like at your unhealthiest? So the uh, a unhealthy Monday morning, yeah, would I already talked about would be the highlight reel, okay. and yeah. I would um, I would be throwing if it's to get this highlight reel, and I'm standing back and I have darts, and I'm throwing darts at all of my. Uh, weakness, my perceived weaknesses or failures or should have done this better or could have done that better. So I'm just kind of throwing darts at myself. That That's one unhealthy way um, to of just hyper self-critique. That is, I mean, it, it's not even about, at that point, it's not even about learning. It's about perfecting and and then punishing, unconsciously punishing myself for not being good enough. Um, that's one of my shadows in terms of the way that I've been created. So that would be, that would be a part of it. The other part would be, um, shame. I think even, even when, even when it's good, you have a good Sunday. I think that, uh, a lot of pastors end up heaping a lot of shame on themselves, um, because, You've really exposed yourself when you're when you've on Sundays when you're preaching. You've really put yourself out there, and we always we kind of almost have this like buyer's remorse of like I really put myself out there, and now I've been exposed, either exposed in in, um, in a personal way, maybe I told a personal story, but even just exposed by the very fact that I got up there and I've now exposed myself to the critique of others of my gifts. Right. And so I think there's, um, I don't know, for some of us, I think there's at times that we want to go back and we want to take that back. We want to find a fig leaf that we want to hide behind. Um, we're going to hide that exposure because we feel exposed. 
Yeah, that, sh- you know, I should do this. I should have said that. Why didn't I say that? We call that shooting all over ourselves because, mm-hmm. uh, man, it's just, it's so easy for us to do that as pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, the self-flagellation at the beginning of the week, is just, it's hard, it's hard to communicate that to people who aren't pastors, isn't it? Yes. Uh, but other pastors go, yes, I do it too. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, you talked about, um, this nervous breakdown that you had in 2012 and the burnout that you experienced and the retreat that you and your wife went out to in Colorado. How did you recover from that? And how are you still in the game? How are you still in ministry and cultivating a soft and healthy heart after something like that? Yeah, well, recovery, it, it was like I had a spiritual stroke. And so like a stroke victim, you have to, you have to relearn how to feed yourself or relearn how to walk in some ways. And this was that I had to relearn how do I pastor without being driven by fear. And I think a lot of pastors pastor out of fear, fear that the bills won't get paid, fear that um, I'm, I'm not perceived as talented enough or fear that if I don't preach a whiz bang sermon, they won't come back next week. Mm. Fear. I just think there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear that I'm going to disappoint people fear that if I say no to this, Ultimately, we have this chain of reaction thing that goes off in our head. If I say no to this request, this person may be disappointed. If they're disappointed, they may not come. If they don't come back, they may not give us money, blah, blah, blah. And like you can, you can easily find yourself like, like sitting under a crushing, a lowering ceiling, like in an Indiana Jones movie, trying to hold the whole thing up because you feel like if you don't hold it up, it'll all fall down. And you have a nervous breakdown. I had a nervous breakdown when that happened. And then I have to relearn how do I pastor without trying to hold the, the roof, the ceiling up because that's not my job. Mm. And what does that mean? And how do you ask for money and how do you work 55 hour work weeks, but not out of compulsion and, and fear and anxiety. And how do I relate to myself and how do I relate to my family and how do I relate to my church? How do I pastor in this new reality? That was very difficult. That took about, I must say, that took 18 months for me to wander around in a bit of a wilderness fog, wow. trying to figure out how to do that. But over time, you develop uh, rhythms that free us then to uh, be able to use our gifts without fear or self-scrutiny. And that we can cultivate joy and awareness of what is happening as opposed to what's not happening. We can create um, rhythms that give us the power to say no to the things that we need to say no to. And so I would say what keeps me going is those rhythms. It's the spiritual practices that I have, not in a legalistic way, like, oh, I got to earn God's approval, but in a freedom way. I bind myself to the mast. I bind myself to these practices because in them I find incredible freedom. Mm. Uh, That freedom that keeps anxiety away and that keeps my controlling tendencies in in a space of surrender. And it keeps my, um, you know, keeps me free from worry or I tend to be hyper um, responsible. So I take responsibility for things that are not mine to take responsibility. These rhythms remind me that this isn't your responsibility, right? This, this is God's. It's okay. 
Um, so it, it's the spiritual practices and I've developed a, a variety of those that, um, sustain me and keep me vibrant. Mm. When you say, yeah. When you say bind yourself to the mast, you know, and some of those, I want to hear what some of those are, but I have to say when, when I hear you say that, I think of what about Bob finding himself to the mast? <laughs> I'm sailing. I'm, I'm a sailor. Sailing. I sail. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't mean to bring, bring it down here a notch or two. But with that, what are some of those bind yourself to the mast rhythms and practices? You talked about this mantle prayer that you pray, which is beautiful. Mm. What are some of those other life-giving, non-legalistic, but very purposeful, intentional ways that keep you from burning out again? Be as specific mm-hmm. and practical, ridiculously practical as you can. What does that look like yeah. for you? Well, so it looks like on um, Saturdays, I, which is kind of my Sabbath day, it looks like um, turning off my cell phone and not not checking my emails um as soon as an email comes in that's from work i've now even if i'm not planning to work that day i've now activated work brain mm. and so the mantle's so coming true. back on so i um i'm really like life is so noisy i have to i have to build for one day i have to build a soundproof room where I'm not letting the external uh, noise and chatter and static where I'm not letting it penetrate. And I'm just going to um, create a space where I can hear what's going on in my own heart. Um, what, what am I carrying today? What, what wounds have <laughs> developed over those last week? Or what do I need to release? What attitudes, what resentments am I? maybe harboring that I need to forgive. So just practically turn the cell phone off. Yeah. Um, good. And then I, um, I have a, a daily rhythm of contemplative prayer where I sit for 23 minutes um, in silence. And I'm, this is not a prayer of asking. It's not a prayer of um, petition it's not a prayer of confession. It's not a prayer really of words. It's a prayer of, of receptivity where I am creating a space to receive what God wants to give me in that time. And I'm not, I'm not asking specifically because I'm trusting that God knows what I need better than I know. And, uh, and I'm also creating space there for, like I said, whatever's in me to come up. Um, so somebody said the soul is like a wild animal and it needs safety. It needs a safe place and a quiet place for it to come out of the shadows. Mm. And so that's what contemplative prayer is. It's this quiet space to let the, the soul, which is like a wild animal to let it come out so that I can know what's going on in me. And I can then um, allow the Holy spirit in that space to mend me uh, or encourage me or affirm me, um, or do for me what I don't even, what, what I, I, words can't even ask cause I can't even articulate it. So that's another practical rhythm. I, uh, this is so simple, but I make a thankful list every day. And this reminds me that I don't make the world go around. Yeah. I'm really that like at my core, I really can believe that. And so a thankful list is like, where's the activity of God 
in me and around me that wasn't me creating that activity. Um, and so I'm just paying attention to like little things like my son made a funny joke at dinner the other day and the whole family burst out laughing for like five minutes. Do you know how precious that is? Mm, like precious. my whole family was on the same emotional plane for five minutes. <laughs> this is a gift, especially because it was a happy emotional plane for five minutes. This is a gift. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in my journal. I'm celebrating that. It's like, yes, I'm going to hold that and delight in that simple little thing because, um, that was the, the joy and the pleasure of God breaking into our dinner time. Like what a gift. Yeah, so it could be something great. little like that too, that I'm just, I'm allowing joy. I'm holding it in long enough to allow it to like penetrate. Say so, um, from a neuroplasticity perspective, I'm forming neurological pathways in my brain that are interpreting the events of life around me through the God lens. Cause that's the truth of it. And then I'm holding it long enough for that to map onto my brain and turn into a positive emotion. Here's what I'm hearing, John. We're hearing together uh, some of the practices, mantle prayer, practicing Sabbath, turning your, your phone off, a 23-minute contemplative prayer that you do every day, gratitude journal. I mean, these are super mm -hmm. practical. This is what we hope there are pastors listening that are going, yes, I'm going to try that. I'm going to do that. I think there's a question I have in my mind that other pastors may be asking now, why 23 minutes? Why not 22 or 24? What is it mm -hmm. about 23 on your contemplative prayer time? Why that, that amount of time? Uh, well, they say that they say the standard, I don't know, kind of bench benchmark uh, for for quiet contemplative prayer uh, is is 20 minutes. And so I'm just I'm at I'm notching that up a little bit. That's at 23 um, just to give myself the space in the breathing room um, to let what I mean, you spend, especially when you first start, you spend the first uh, let's say if it's 20 minutes, you spend the first 17, just trying to get still yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just trying to quiet your brain and stay centered on, on that receptivity. So let's say, you know, I'm, I've got five minutes going of something good. So <laughs> that's why 23, I wanted at yeah. least to get five minutes of something good. Good. Mm. That's great. That's really good. Yeah. I um, so what would you have to say to a, a young pastor who is just starting out or a few years into it as he's kind of looking at uh, the next few years and starting to come across some of these like cracks or fissures of burnout? Burnout, there's, um, there's a couple different ways to pay attention to burnout. And you want to, you want to, Maybe it's some of each, but burnout happens because uh, I'm I'm doing the wrong things with my gifts. So I call that kryptonite. Um, for me, kryptonite could be, um, let's say, expense reports. Right? For some reason, the way I'm wired, if I do 20 minutes or 30 minutes of an expense report, which I have put off now for three months because 
the idea of it just is exhausting. <laughs> if I do 20 minutes of that, it takes, let's say it takes 40 minutes. Let's say it takes maybe 50 minutes of emotional energy out of me by doing that 20 minute task. So that's like a negative 40 task. There's other tasks. There's other things that I do that are positive 50. And so I think burnout happens when you're doing too many negative 40 mm. tasks that you, you don't have enough positive 50s um, to be able to balance that. So you're, it's kryptonite. It takes more than it gives. There's other things that we do in ministry where I, you know, I put in 30 minutes and I get three hours of emotional jazz and yeah. joy out of doing that. Uh, and that the spirit of God seems to use when I do an hour of this, it seems to have this exponential impact. And that's just God exceeding my capacity in, in a way that he's wired me. So burnout happens in part because you're, you're doing too much kryptonite or you're in a kryptonite situation. The structure that you're working in is actually working against you. It's taking more from you than it's giving. The other aspect that can cr contribute to burnout is, is the internal side. It's the, what's driving me? What's motivating me? What am I really after here? And am I looking for the applause of men because that's never enough? Am I trying to be somebody that I'm not? Am I comparing myself to somebody that I'm not? And, um, and so I think you can get into a spot where uh, you're not being true to the gifts that God's given you in, in a certain, you know, in your role. And so you're, you're trying to prove you're, you're living a, a mask, right? It's I'm trying to prove something to the world that I am somebody. And we, we can't do that. We'll burn out. We'll flame out. So when I get too linked with who I am, with what I do, gets too intertwined, um, it can lead to burnout for sure. So that, that would be two areas to inspect. Is this, is this like an internal me? Is this like a brokenness thing that I need to, is there a false self here that I need to stare into? Or is it simply that I, I'm just in the wrong role? It's not a fit for who I am. And the more I try, the harder it is and the more it takes. Wow. Yeah, that's really, that's so true. I feel like there's so many times when uh, some, sometimes it is just the structure of, you know, I feel like I've talked to pastors and they just recognize that they're just in the wrong fit. It's just not a good space. But then, mm -hmm. and I feel like sometimes that can really be encouraged just by changing positions or changing the job description or figuring out ways to offload certain things. But I think the dangerous one is that internal side of like, what's driving me? Yeah. Like that's the space that really can get hairy and scary uh, very quickly. Yeah. And so, we, and I just want to say every pastor needs a pastor. So we're, we pastor everybody else, but then we don't submit to the same practice. And so having a, a spiritual director or seeing a, a counselor mm -hmm. is quite valuable. And I'm, I recommend that we um, pay for that. So I know that we can go see a mentor and I think that's wonderful. When I'm paying for it, I'm now in a, I'm paying for a non-reciprocating relationship yeah. and I can't yes. do pastor jujitsu on them, you know, <laughs> you know, where we turn it around. It's a real so thing. It's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm really good. I'm good. No, but how are you doing? 
Yeah. <laughs> right. That's pastor jujitsu. So when I'm in a, when I'm paying for um, either a professional therapy or a spiritual director, I can't do that on them because they're yeah, not going to let me word. do that. That's yeah. a good uh, word. It's their job to make it about me. And by paying for it, I'm valuing that myself, I'm valuing, I'm worth this time and this investment. And my soul is worth this time and this investment uh, for me to bring whatever has accumulated that week or month and pour it out and then help me find God in this. What's, where is it? Where help me, help me get unstuck from this place of brokenness that I find myself in. So I, I just said, please, all pastors, uh, if you're not submitting yourself to something like that, um, I think you're missing out. John, thanks so much for your time. And just as we're coming to a close, um, you know, Mondays being very days where people are very depleted pastors, what, what's something you'd like to leave with them, like an encouragement or just something that they could sit with this week that would be a breath of fresh air? Pastoring can, for the, for the average pastor, pastoring can be incredibly thankless. You can go for weeks and not have a sincere thank you come mm. your way or be reminded that what you, you do really matters. And I love pastors. And I, I think if I could give the gift to any pastor, it would be to remind them that what you're doing is so important. It's so significant. It's so significant. And you may not see evidence of that for a long time, but the time you're putting in, the leadership that you're giving, the sacrifices that you're making, um, they are making a difference. And don't stop. <laughs> Keep doing it. And the, and the greatest gift that you can give to your church is the gift of your own transformation. We, we lead from our own transformation. And so you, we have to prioritize ourselves and that sounds selfish, but it's not, it's the, it's the best gift that we can give the people that we lead is when we are inviting the spirit of God to heal and mend and restore and renew us on, on the inside so that we can be the best, most effective conduit of God's grace and love that could possibly be because what we do really matters. And that's in a world where no one understands anymore what a pastor is or does, including most of the people in our churches, <laughs> let alone the person we sit next to on the airplane when they ask what we do. <laughs> we have to say, oh, God, I don't want to say this. <laughs> and they look at us like, oh, like we still, we still have horse and buggies? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 